0: Geisha Radio with your family. I'm Hendrik and I'm coming to you from Cape Town today. I'm sitting here with uh, Latheem Gabriel and he of course is a singer uh, based in Cape Town and wrote the, and performed the very first Pride song in South Africa uh, for Pretoria Pride two years ago. Welcome to Geisha Radio, Latheem. Hi,
1: thank you for having me.
0: So you've just had a new song come out. Um, it's been some time in the works and finally it's out and we've... Uh, Featured it on Gaye's radio and given it some airplay. Tell me more about the song. Where it comes from?
1: The song was originally done in a in my my resting genre, which is very indie alternative sort of rock. But I wanted to, I wanted to try something a bit different. Um, so I redid the song. It's called Seed of Unease, and it's essentially a conversation between older and younger self, and it's about trying to address the source of one's issues i guess you know and kind of going back to where it all began which i found very therapeutic at the time i think i was going through a period where i needed to have a conversation with my younger self and i needed to find i needed to be able to understand forgive and let go and um, deal with the fears that that one carries with one you know that gets hardwired into you at, at a very young age so that was my inspiration behind the song and I, I it was included in my first EP which I launched in 2017 as well and then this year I did a I did a retake on it so I kind of funked it up a little bit gave it a bit of a dance bed and it was a really fun process it, it yeah, it was a really fun process. I took my time with it. I wasn't in a rush to release any mm. new music, particularly last year. But um, it's a piece of work that I'm really proud of and I'm very happy to put out there.
0: Is it therapeutic every time when you create a, a new piece of music or was this one just that's the the, the process you had to go on <clears throat>
1: No, I think, well, as an artist, I guess there's always, there's always a sense of catharsis when you are particularly writing your own stuff. Artists are just, you know, I think narcissistic (laughs) It's always got to be something deep and something meaningful but I think in terms of the creative process of writing, it's also really fun to just write something that doesn't have deep meaning something that that doesn't speak to a broken soul (laughs) <laughs> or a broken relationship. You know, sometimes it's fun to just sit back and just write something that's that's fun and silly and, and enjoyable to listen to. And uh, and that's that's something that I've started venturing into myself over the last two years. Because I was always writing things that was very cathartic and very sort of like confessional and honest and, and soul exploring and I think you, you get bored of it after a while. <laughs> you only get bored of your own voice and you get bored of your own process. And uh, this for me was was just kind of trying to get out there um, I don't think I'll ever be able to completely abandon my style of writing It's always going to be very sort of stream of conscious Very confessional Very, um, I think, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Loquacious <laughs> Very conversational But I do enjoy venturing out there and trying new things I'm currently working on another track Which is very South African house flavoured um, I've always been a big fan of, of house music, particularly South African house, and I've always wanted to wanted to explore that. You said you, you didn't make new music for a while. Why, why is that? I didn't make new music for a while because I think I was going through a depression. I think that uh, because two years before that I was working really hard um, at my craft and I was seeing quite a lot of gains um, and I felt very blessed. But then I think I was bent out after that. I think last year I was just going through a period of just burnout and I was, I was exhausted emotionally and mentally and I needed to, I needed to recuperate and uh, I needed to get off social media and I needed to disconnect from the pressures of trying to be successful at your craft, you know. And then of course there was some family stuff as well. There was a lot of family drama and I just needed to collect myself. So I wasn't putting out any, I was writing a lot of music last year. But a lot of it was, was a period of self-exploration again, I was exploring different avenues of writing, different styles, but just besides the music, just sitting back and, and re-evaluating my life and, and the purpose behind it. And, and I think when you suffer from burnout, no matter what you do, there's a period when I think you've just got to sit back and think, is this still what I want to do? This is this still what I love doing? Can I get that passion back for it again? And I think it's, it's important questions to ask yourself, no matter what your your art is in life. So we'd be very keen to know what the answers are
0: to all those <laughs> questions.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I think... You know by virtue of me having released this this new song, it's definitely something I still want to do. I'm passionate about music. My father was an artist, he wasn't a singer, but he was a painter. My grandfather was a radio personality back in the day when I think they only had like one frequency. <laughs> he was a singer as well. So music has always been um, music's always been in my family's blood. We have this joke that we somehow related to the Beyonce Knowles because my family's surname is Knowles. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's definitely, I'm I'm passionate about music. I think that it's good to sometimes just take a step back and just kind of reevaluate what the meaning of what you're doing is to you as opposed to what it means to other people. And I think we sometimes make the error of getting lost in the system and we start doing things for other people and we're not doing it for ourselves anymore. And I think that was something that I was struggling with. I felt that I was required to meet a whole bunch of expectations out there, particularly within the South African music context, which has very few avenues. Mm. We're not a country that celebrates a wide spectrum of styles of music unless it's international. But when it's homegrown, there isn't a lot of space or room for Mm. it. Isn't that why a number of South African artists
0: are making huge names for themselves outside the country I and nobody so. here knows who they are?
1: And nobody I mean definitely I mean if I look at Nakane, I mean Nakane was Nakane was doing pretty well for himself, but he was also being blocked in a lot of ways, I think, particularly with, you know, the death threats that came after the documentary. And he was like, and I'm pretty sure this is probably what he was thinking, was like, hey, you know, my own people aren't supporting me. I'm Aria. Mm. You know, and he's doing amazing for himself, you know, overseas. And you're absolutely right, Hendrik. That's definitely an inviting option, I think, you know, is to go out there. Because if if you don't fit within whatever's trending at the moment, then... It's really difficult for you as an artist if you are outside of a different genre. Which brings me to a long-standing issue that I've had with radio stations. Is that I feel that they have a certain responsibility, a certain social responsibility to listeners. We understand, I understand the reality so that you've got to... You know, you've got to get your listenership up And this is what the listeners want to hear So this is what you're going to play them But my philosophy is that If you keep feeding something, someone the same thing That's all they're going to (laughs) know What to eat, you know And I think that it's it's, I think that that radio platforms uh, Music platforms I think they have a responsibility to to Give people credit, Mm -hmm. you know Give people credit that maybe they are interested in listening to something else if you just give them a chance. You know? Isn't
0: that what the internet's doing though? Is it's, it's freeing us from those old spoon-feeding ways of yeah. this is what you're listening to, this is yeah. what you're watching. And we now take that power back going,
1: I'm gonna choose what I watch. On God Netflix bless Internet Radio, you know, you know? because <laughs> they don't have those kind of pressures, I think, and <laughs> mm-hmm. I think they have a lot more freedom to support mm-hmm. different kinds of genres and artists. So would you
0: also use the internet to to try and infiltrate the rest of the world and see
1: Definitely I think I think I think the internet is a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. I mean if it, even even uh, I say normal radio stations <laughs> lack of a better term. Even they have online streaming platforms. Mm. So the internet is definitely the space you want to be in when you're doing this sort of thing, you know? And it's great because if you've got a if you've got a artist profile up there or a personality profile up there, you can link to you can just link really, really easy to all these different online streaming platforms to play your music. So it's definitely the the way to go. Where are you going next? <laughs> what is
0: your, your plan now To get this music career Up and running again?
1: Well it was always running it was, it was just it taking was a just slight So strong that means it was on pause for
0: a while. So you got to press play. Again. It was
1: on pause for a while. It was, but I'm excited more than ever now to be back in the ring. And it's—I mean—I've I've networked with some great South African talent. I had a really wonderful time at Pride. I seem to be becoming the poster boy for Pride oh. <laughs> in South Africa. <laughs> I wasn't gonna do. Just on a side note, I wasn't gonna do Pride this year i said oh god no i did pride the last three years i'm <laughs> doing it this year and then uh, matthew van us called me the director of pride and he's like what would pride be without you felt so strong armed. I was like okay fine okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah but it was fun it was a lot of fun i got to i got to hang out with with craig lucas and i got to hang out with jimmy nevis and um, I even had Jared Records coming backstage, and it was a lot of fun. It was it was great fun. I bumped into you, mm-hmm. you know, so it was, it was great. So where I was, where am I going with this now, right? So I'm literally taking it each step at a time. I'm not planning too far ahead in the future. I've realized since my burnout, and, and I think the reason that I can identify and am so sensitive to burnout is because... I worked in the NGO sector for close to 10 years. And 10 years is a long time to be in the NGO sector. I mean, they have such a huge turnover. And because of burnout, you know, it's a real... So at this point, I'm taking it one step at a time. I'm happy to have released this new single, uh, which I've gotten a bit of exposure for. It's also going to be playing in every single pep stores across the SADC region, (laughs) 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 which I'm really chuffed about. (laughs) And I've got a, so after Ramadan, I've got a jazz event that I'm doing on the 7th of June. It's at the Odermolen Eco Village, and it starts from about, 3 o'clock so check that out on social media it's called the sundowners jazz event at the odomolin eco village in pinelands and then we'll just see we'll take it from there i mean i'm constantly making new music all the time i'm very excited to be recording again this new song that i'm doing and um i'll just yeah keep everybody updated about what's happening and and things like that.
0: And people want to get the song, where do they go?
1: Well the song is available on iTunes, it's available on Google Play. It's available on most major platforms. And but it'll be available in about a week or so. Yeah. So iTunes has this thing where they they take like forever to <laughs> process your music and audit it and eventually like give it the stamp of approval. So yeah, so, so give it a week, it'll be available on all the major platforms.
0: I'm here in uh, Cape Town, uh, sitting here with uh, Lathine Gabriel, and it's tomorrow the middle of Ramadan.
1: Yes, that is correct. And I never knew that in the middle of Ramadan there's some function plan. In the middle of Ramadan, on the 15th day of fast, uh, traditionally we call it booba night. So for those who don't know what booba is, it's a kind of warm pudding that looks like milk. but it's got vermicelli in and it's got sago in and some cinnamon and it's made of like rose water and milk and it's just really delicious google it it's buba, b-o-e-b-a and so we have what we call a mass iftar so an iftar is essentially just the breaking of one's fast in the evening so we have a big one, a mass one. We invite like a whole bunch of people, community comes, you know, and we all just sit and we break fast together and we have this community spirit going on and it's great. Yeah. So this is what Ramadan is all about? isn't it? Ramadan is about a lot of things. Ramadan is, in my opinion, Ramadan is about community, it's about self-sacrifice, it's about empathy. It's about getting into the shoes of somebody who doesn't have the everyday distractions of food and water, you know, that we have. It's about reconnecting with one's creator, one's uh, sense of higher self. It's about detoxing (laughs) on a physiological level. It's about detoxing and it's a challenging experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about willpower and and getting up really early in the morning.
0: (laughs) So that kind of throws your whole month around.
1: Then, hey, it is, throws you uh... completely out there, I tell you. I mean, some mornings you're on autopilot and you're just making breakfast. And you're just... <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it definitely throws you out. But it, I think it's it's great. You know, I think there's fasting, in, if I understand correctly, different kinds of religious systems. You know, over the over the ages, there's been a different kind of version of fasting for everyone. People even do it, I think, just to to detox. It's not even necessarily for religious purposes. Mm. But I generally enjoyed having my iftars at the uh, Masjid al Khurba, which formerly ran as the Inner Circle, which is an LGBTI safe space for queer Muslims. And uh, we come together during Ramadan, we come together every Friday for mosque, and uh, we also break fast together. Yeah.
0: I was going to say, this is, this is kind of weird, sitting in a space that is traditionally very anti-LGBT and exclusionary mm. as most religions seemingly mm. are. And to be able to sit here and go, well, this is an inclusive space. And you also said it's kind of a split-off of uh, Inner Circle that, that uh, this started.
1: Okay, so when one thinks of homosexuality and Islam, I think the words that come to mind are irredeemably oppressive. <laughs> it's such a a strange journey it's been for me so i was my dad was muslim my mom was christian and they were married ecumenically like that for close to 20 years and we all grew up christians there was no pressure in our household to be either or you know and the choice was ours and that's how my parents chose to raise us when i was in my early 20s i embraced islam because I was really close to my dad's side of the family I was also very fascinated by the by the religion itself and uh, I was always drawn to to my dad's faith and eventually it just seemed like a natural thing for me to do so my introduction thankfully into islam was I think orthodox any orthodox avenue I had chosen would not have accepted my sexual orientation it was going to have to be a queer space that was going to accept my sexual orientation and appreciate the need for one's sense of spirituality as well. You know, if that's something that you value, if having a connection with your Creator is something you value, then it would have needed to be a space that accommodated that. And so I did, I found it through the inner circle many, many moons ago. And um, I developed a relationship, I got to see a side of Islam that that was compassionate you know, contrary to what the media is showing us Mm -hmm. and what the world is telling us, you know, and what the Americans are trying to (laughs) impose Mm -hmm. on us, is that Islam is a compassionate religion and there's room for everyone. And if we focus on the good things, you know, if we take our egos out of this vehicle we call religion, whether it's Christianity, Judaism, whatever you want to call it, if we can just remove our egos from it, and just focus on the qualities that, that it's trying to instill in us, like compassion, mercy, love, acceptance, inclusion. I think all religions teach this, but because it's always being interpreted by the ego, and might I add the ego of men, you know, it's always going to be interpreted as skew and it's always going to be exclusive and it's always going to deny and reject and oppress. And I mean, if religion was interpreted by women, do you honestly think that they would have? chosen to be oppressed in certain kinds of cultures and societies? I don't think so. I don't think so. Or if it was interpreted by a gay guy, you know, there would have been the stoning of homosexuals? No, I don't think so. It's always an agenda. It's always a masculine agenda that's interpreting religious vehicles. And I tried to have this conversation with a guy a couple of weeks ago. And I kept saying, so do you realize that throughout history, it's always been men that's caused, you know, crap. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to say something stronger And he just, he's like, yes, but those were a long time ago. And, you know, this was a long time ago and it doesn't make sense today and whatever. I'm like, yes, but, but just listen to what I'm saying. It's always been men that's been causing this nonsense in the world with the interpretation of, of everything. And uh, eventually he sort of got it. So I don't think it's a conversation that guys, men in general, are having with themselves. That there's a fundamental problem with the way that men are interpreting aspects of life. You know, I mean, mm. look at politics. Politics isn't politics. Politics is personal. It's always been personal. What Putin is doing, what Trump is doing, you know, it's always been personal. The personal is the political, the micro eventually becomes the macro, and everything is just being translated, you know, and, and affecting the rest of us. So, and again, it's men that are making these crazy, crazy ass decisions. It's just ridiculous, and it's all ego-driven, and it's all, it's all arrogance, and it's all fear. It's fear of not having control.
0: That's what it's all about in the end, isn't it?
1: Control. It is. It's fear of not having control, and that's what it's all about. And yeah, oh, I could go on and on and on <laughs> about, about these things. But yeah.
0: But this is a safe, inclusive space. This
1: is a safe, inclusive space. Well, it's, it's queer run, and it's queer maintained, and it's queer inclusive. It's not a gay space. It's a space that is inclusive of the LGBTI community. Mm -hmm. Anybody's welcome to come and pray here. Anybody's welcome to come and celebrate here. And I think we need more spaces like this, you know. I know that it seems as if we're moving into this age of awareness where people are moving away from the frivolous notions of God and religion and spirituality and science can explain everything. And that's fine, you know, (laughs) whatever floats your boat. But I think there's still fundamental issues that human beings are dealing with, that there are no answers for. And sometimes it helps to be able to look outside yourself. Sometimes it helps to be able to believe in something bigger than you, that can carry you through challenges and struggles, and then we look at people that are suffering from severe loneliness, you know, suicide rates are going up. People who are who are suffering from aggression and violence and abuse and inflicting it, and and you wonder where is this coming from, where is all of this coming from? And I think that there is a fundamental lack of spirituality in, in people's lives. And I'm not trying to be prescriptive and I'm not trying to say that, you know, one size fits all. But, but seeing what I've seen and observing what I've, what I've observed over the course of my life, I think that there is something to be said for a sense of spirit. No matter what you want to call it, no matter how you want to identify it, if we call it an inner voice, call it a deeper sense of consciousness, whatever you want to call it. But I think that there's, there's a lack of awareness around that within people. And that's why the world's going crazy. And
0: also if marginalized people who are already on the sidelines are being pushed further out by religion, then certainly people are being sort of denied that spirituality and access to that spirituality.
1: Exactly. So the space was was initially conceived for queer Muslims who felt that they had to choose, right, between their faith or their, their natural sort of state of being, you know, their attraction to other women or other men or same sex. And the space was conceived to allow them to, to be both. Mm. You can be both, you know, it doesn't have to be either or. So it's because the result is always the same. Queer Muslim guy or girl eventually ends up getting married or living a life of perpetual self-induced guilt. You know, because there is no reconciliation for them between their sexual identity and the spirituality and the, the religious vehicle that they grew up with. It's part and parcel of their identity. And it's basically asking someone to split yourself in two, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. and And spaces like this allow you to be all of who you are mm-hmm. without judgment, without fear of backlash, without critique, negative critique, you know, so... I hope that answers your
0: question. That was the first part of the
1: question, oh. wasn't it?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the second part was, how did this
0: organisation come about? And can I then add a third part to it? Have you had backlash from the community? Hmm.
1: This organisation started back in... Well, it started before my... Before I... I wasn't along from the very inception. It started, I think, back in 1998. It started out in Joburg, out of Imam Mohsin Hendrick's garage. It started out as a support group for queer Muslims. To so basically just come together and talk about what life is like <laughs> being queer and Muslim, you know. Hi, my name is, and I am <laughs> Muslim. It started out like that, and then it just sort of took a life of its own, and it grew into what the community needed at the time—the queer community—and they needed more from the support group, and then it grew to accommodate that. And eventually, in two thousand and six, it got established as the Inner Circle, and it opened its doors in Weinberg. And it had operated out of there up until 2000 and, I think, 2017. It then underwent an identity change where it went from the inner circle and started operating as the Alfitra Foundation. And I think it operated like that up until 2000 and we then underwent hierarchical structural changes and all of this stuff and, you know, just office politics and whatever. But anyway, suffice to say that they eventually split. So al fitra Foundation still runs and they still run some of their basic uh, programs um, self-help programs essentially and then Imam Muhsin also has another foundation now called uh, Al-Gurba Foundation which essentially works on the same principle so it's a lot of like workshops around reconciliation for sexual identity and religion counseling sessions, it offers counseling sessions and it runs of course the weekly mosque space as well for Friday Jumas Yeah, and of course, there was a lot of backlash uh, in the initial state. I mean, Mohsin was the first Imam ever, I think, in South Africa to come out. And there was a huge backlash. And this was even before the organization itself was officially established. But I'm sure if you have him on on your show, he can explain all of that to you. But working at the inner circle when I did, I was doing communications and media for them. We got a lot of backlash. I mean, we once had a truck, uh, a bucky pull up outside the gates and all these men had guns on them, you know. Thankfully, they couldn't get inside the security gates. But it was crazy, yeah. And that was during a same-sex wedding ceremony. Oh my God. So this poor girl's wedding was was ruined, you know, and it was our own family. So there was, (laughs) was a huge backlash we faced already. We used to get death threats now and then. I think if we'd been in any other part of the world... I think it probably would have been a lot worse. But because Cape Town is such a laid-back, I think people are even too lazy to, <laughs> to protest <laughs> against something. It would have been worse. So, But, I mean, suffice to say, we did get a couple of death threats. And we've tried engaging with the mainstream Muslim community many times. And it took a long time. But I think that there is, especially in Cape Town, there's a culture of tacit acceptance. So as long as you're not rocking the boat too much, I think there's a sense of... Because look, people are culturally a part of Catonian history, you know. And it's a rich, rich history. So we've always been there. I think we've always been seen as the the Los Leibach, scandalous, effeminate type, you know. (laughs) Home-wrecking morphies, so to speak. But but that's all changed, you know. That's all changed. So we've always been there in some way, to some degree. And we've always been accepted into the community in some way. So there's always been this tacit acceptance of homosexuality, I think, even within the Islamic community in Cape Town. But then you will, wherever you go, you'll find your extremists, you'll find your fundamentalists, you know. But we've held out through it, you know, I mean, it's been a crazy journey. But I mean, thank God, we're still alive. Nobody lost their lives. And if I dare say, it's that we've, we've actually warmed the hearts over the years to, to the intolerant. Mm. You know, I think anything in life can be solved with a conversation. <laughs> I think we're too quick to react. We're too quick to, to get angry and, and jump on our, on our soapbox, you know, and be right when I think that it really just takes a conversation between you and someone that's different to get to a better understanding of things.
0: Well, if you want to have a conversation with this organisation, you can go to their website. It's called CompassionCenteredIslam.net and there's little colons between all of them. Not colons, what do you call that? Um, Dashes, what is it? Uh, (laughs) Compassion-Centered-Islam.net go and have a look if you are interested and maybe even joining up in cape town and um, we're going into friday but ramadan is obviously it's it's not a party time for you know for you guys really mm-hmm. you, you you take time out from this and and get back to hedonistic life if there's such a thing <laughs> <laughs> no in, no in all things hours. in moderation all things, <laughs> all in, things moderation, in moderation you know? so judgment. tell me about cape town and and it's it's nightlife and and it seems to be very gay, and there seems to be a lot of stuff going on.
1: Yeah. Um, Much
0: more so than Joburg, as far as I'm concerned. You think so? I, I think there's think a
1: difference, so. though. I think that Cape Town centralises
0: its its gay village. But that is the thing, because in Joburg, right. you have to drive to Pretoria, or you have to drive to bloody wherever.
1: Which I actually thought was better, because when I was living in Joburg, and everything was spread around, it kind of meant that whether you were queer or not queer, you were all going to end up in the same place eventually, right? <laughs> And so I thought that was pretty cool. Although I did live in Melville, which was uh, kind of very gay, yeah. so... <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't changed so much.
0: I mean, all Is those it? venues have closed down. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oba, all those places are closed down.
1: was closed? Oh, forever.
0: Oh. Um, for years now. And there's very few places left to go to. Whereas in Cape Town, it seems like you turn the corner and there's another...
1: either gay-friendly or a gay place. But that, no, I see, that's in the city. That's, That's in the, in the city, city Bowl, of course,
0: in City Bowl. Yeah. That's
1: in the city. So so they used to have the gay village mm-hmm. in the city, which was in Greenpoint. And they had a whole block. Like this whole block was gay, right? They had your leather bars. You had your your teeny popper bars. You had your, you know, for, all mm. your different, your twink bars and your drag houses. And they had all of that stuff. And I think over the years, they, they kind of spread out. So it's not concentrated anymore. It's really, it's, it's sort of spread out all over. So now you've got gay establishments kind of spread all over the city area. We don't have that village anymore, which mm. I kind of miss because that was my introduction to... Yeah,
0: you used to go down to Greenpoint and yeah, you would park your was... car and you would go from one place to the yeah. next.
1: Or my bus. I would oh, <laughs> park my bus. <laughs> you bring out a load of people with you, obviously. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, Old Bronx was one of the oldest gay clubs in. Yeah, that is so sad. There, Mr. Price, there now. What is on that corner? It's, it's a, a spa. A spa. Yeah, it's a go. spa. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the gay scene's changed. I think. How has it changed? Has Grindr changed it?
0: Has the fact that. <laughs> There's no gay village. God, I hate was people.
1: Oh, I hate grinder. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> um, the logistics involved in that sometimes, hey? I'm telling and you. You have to get out of bed. I don't know when dressed. last I actually <laughs> met someone off grinder. <laughs> I think at this point in my life, if I'm not rolling out of bed <laughs> and literally like into the arms of someone else, I'm not leaving my house. I'm not opening <laughs> to you. I'm not even... <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, maybe it's just because I'm—I've I'm, just been on a dating scene for so long, but um, I think it's changed. I think it's changed a lot. I don't think there's a sense of community anymore. There used to be a sense of community before we had all these freedoms. Mm. You know, there was a there was a much because
0: re- we were persecuted. We had to yeah, we had to cower stick in the corner together, yeah. yeah, and do all sorts.
1: Yeah, and now that we've got all these freedoms, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. Please don't do listeners do not read into that. I'm just saying that. It's become almost less of a community experience. You know, we don't talk about things that are affecting us as gay people anymore. And we don't support each other the way we should, I think. You know, we don't offer spaces to support each other. And that's
0: um, one of the downsides of mainstreaming gay issues now, Mm, isn't
1: it? Definitely. I mean, I can say that the transgender movement and reality has, has definitely flourished. There was definitely an aspect of the LGBTI spectrum that even gay people didn't completely understand. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't know how to relate to transgender people for a very long time. (laughs) You know, we were in the dark as anyone else. And I definitely think that that's taken on... It's, that's been a powerful, it's taken on an educational life force of its own. And it's completely mainstreamed now. You see it in movies, you see it, you see transgenderism in, in television. You, it's crazy. I mm. mean, Bolden the Beautiful is even sporting, you know, transgendered people. And it's even in cartoons. I discovered last weekend, I was in Hermanas, and I discovered that they have transgender cartoon characters. <laughs> I was blown away. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not really one for clubbing. I think I, I kind of lost interest in clubbing a, a while ago, a good couple of years ago. I just generally sort of stick to my usual spots, you know, where everybody knows your name and, and you feel comfortable and that sort of thing. But then strangely enough, if you the further deep south you go, the more kind of things change. So there's this thing in Cape Town where we believe that the deep south is a really, it's kind of like. Twilight Zone. It's kind oh, of like picket okay. fences, man. The deeper south you go, <laughs> the crazier things get, man. In terms of laws of reality start to alter. But living in the deep south, you don't have these these distinctions. I never noticed distinctions between gay people and straight people on a, on a on like a, a stripped down social level, man. I mean, people don't identify necessarily as gay or straight or whatever. There's a sense of inclusion. Mm-hmm. And I lived there for, for a good couple of years and I loved it, you know. People were engaging with each other on, on human levels, you know. It was it was real, it was human. And, and sexuality was fluid. Nobody was really sort of identifying as either or. They were really just kind of going with the flow, you know what I'm saying. Which isn't necessarily a good thing on a Friday night. <laughs> but yeah.
0: But it seems that... that the word queer is very much used down here As opposed to any other word that I've encountered I mean we talk about gay issues and mm. trans and whatever But people seem to be very happy Under the umbrella of being queer mm. And whatever that means
1: I think that happened when I wasn't looking <laughs> <laughs> I dropped the ball there But I think we just re- We started to, to reinvent the word Or re-own the word or There's a word I'm looking for and I can't get the word. Oh, it. Yes, the word to it Reclaim it Because it was a dastardly thing to say to somebody Yes, it's queer. When I was small, queer
0: was a horrible thing.
1: And I think we just started reclaiming it. I think the organisation started reclaiming it, the LGBT organisations in Cape Town. and, And we started using it as an umbrella term. And uh, it seems to people... easier
0: to say than LGBT. Oh,
1: God, the and then alphabet. People usually oh look, get lost somewhere. I have no <laughs> idea
0: what letter comes next.
1: That alphabet, jeez, it's ever growing. I don't know what other letters they're going to add in the Veggie sexual, <laughs> autosexual. I don't so,
0: where do you go then if you if you were to go out on a typical night?
1: I generally don't go to the city. I think the city is too noisy there 's too many lights and there 's too many there 's too much movement, so I end up going deep south so i 'll end up in like I Bay, Muburg. I love being by the ocean and uh, i 'll have a chill evening there with some friends and stuff. you know You can always go and park at the beach, you can go play a game of pool. And like I said, you know, people are really friendly and really welcoming that side. That's why I love it down there so much. And you can just have a conversation with anybody and anybody's willing to talk about anything with you. It reminds me a lot of Joburg Spaces, which was one of the things I really liked about Joburg, is that you could strike up a conversation about anything with anybody and people would have an opinion. You know, it's not you don't get this vacant sort of automated (laughs) response. (laughs) When you mention something important, you know, to someone randomly.
0: And do you think Cape Town is the pink capital of Africa?
1: Is it the pink capital? Um, I think it needs to live up to its name a little bit more. (laughs) I do. I think it has a responsibility to live up to its name as the pink capital. Because it's not just about parties and it's not just about the fun, you know. It's about other things as well. And for some reason, it's always pride that sort of like... Offers the opportunity like once a year to have this awareness about the other issues, you know. And meanwhile, you've got other organizations during the year who are trying to raise awareness. But I think these kind of things should be happening. And call me like, uh, yes, I am an activist to the core, (laughs) but and you can call me militant, I don't care, right? But I think spaces like clubs, for example, you know, clubs, queer restaurants. Queer businesses, you know, queer private-owned businesses. I think they should also create some sort of awareness around social issues within those spaces. Look, I mean, gay people are coming out younger and younger these days, right? They have boyfriends and girlfriends on school. I never had that. You're <laughs> <bit> <laughs> exactly. And where are they going? To be amongst their own people. They're going to clubs, right? And this is the introduction into queer life. It's It can be cold, it can be violent, it can be incompassionate, and it will spit you out, Mm -hmm. you know, when the liquor license comes to an end. 4.30. (laughs) 4.30. (laughs) So I think these spaces, we can't change that. We're going to change that in a day, you know. But these spaces, I think, should take some sort of social responsibility in creating awareness around things. For example, have a couple of pamphlets out there to places where you can deal with your with your identity you know have a couple of pamphlets have some brochures you know have some posters up in the bathrooms we all know that we're spending most of our times in the toilets in those clubs so have your posters up there and do that little bit to create awareness because it's more than just I mean yes it's fun we forget about the problems and stuff when we are partying but we're going home back into those spaces again where we are being oppressed and we are being devalued. And I think that if we can just create some sort of support structures within these private owned businesses, like clubs, for example, I think it would make such a difference. Mm. I honestly do. There we go, we've solved all these. <laughs> the gays, yeah, for president. <laughs> <laughs> you just <laughs> missed the poll. <bowl>. <laughs> <sorry. laughs> There we go Well
0: it's always Good things to happen In Cape Town Lots of places to go to Lots of things to see So come and join us And come do some spotting And see if you can f- Spot Lathim In some famous and, bar Or somewhere.
1: And connect with me and connect, connect with connect me Kanala There you so, go So Lathim I know a lot of people Have trouble saying my name So when I do shows now I generally make people Say my name By syllable <laughs> Lathim So I'll make them Repeat it a couple of times Because I've gotten Some crazy feedback You know it's Love him it's Ladim, It's yeah. Lucine It's all kinds oh, of stuff So grab me on social media guys Ladim Gabriel It's L-A-T-H-E-E-M Lathim And uh, let's connect Yeah Here we go
0: And of course uh, Your music is on Gayser Radio Yay. Remind us of the name of the song Seed of Unease Seed of Unease mm. It is there You can listen to it Right here on Gayser Radio with you are family